game number five of the Western Conference semifinals. After a frustrating back and forth in Dallas, Phoenix Suns come home. They take care of business. They beat the Dallas Mavericks by 28 points, giving up only 80 points in the game. Matthew, this is the Phoenix Suns team I know. This is a Phoenix Suns team that can that's playing. They're playing championship basketball. All the things I said on the last podcast, I, I take them all back. And I so you're okay now. A lot of oh, love to go around. You know, I I'm, love. I, I'm not okay yet, but I'm good. Oh, you're okay. Okay. So okay, well we'll get into it. Okay. But um, you know, I love the Suns. I love you. I love this podcast. And like Mario Lopez says, I love busy. I love busy. We all love busy. Thank you so much, Monty. Yeah, it's uh, you know, again, it's one of the tough things about doing this podcast is we go live right after the game. We do Twitter spaces in the middle of the game. So a lot of what we a lot of what we do is we just we talk out of emotion, not logic. And I'll yeah. take credit for it. You know, I said a lot of things on the last podcast uh, that were circulated on Mavs Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, they were snipping part of the things I said about Luka Doncic. And, you know, I, I, I was called a few things and I mm-hmm. don't care because I'm a fan. That's what this podcast is. I hope that when people tune into this podcast, they enjoy the fact that it feels like you're hanging out with a couple of your fellow fans who feel the same way you do about things. We're not going to sit here and try to have hot takes just for the shits and giggles. And we're not going to sit here and try to look at this from an overly analytical standpoint. We're fans of the Phoenix Suns. We have a Phoenix Suns podcast. That's what this is. So, you know, obviously our emotions mirror the performance of the team, especially in the postseason. And last podcast, I was pissed. I said some things that I should have said, and I take nothing back. Uh, And tonight I'm feeling a lot happier because this is the Phoenix Suns team that we watched all season, a team that made adjustments, a team that played defense, a team that protected the perimeter and played engaged basketball, even if the TNT broadcast sound like it wasn't engaged basketball. What was up with that? Did you notice that it didn't sound like the crowd was even present? Yeah, you know, it was crazy. At times, I did think it was a little um, quiet, but then you can see the fans still standing up. And I think when fans are standing, it should be always loud. Uh, It's funny because I feel like even watching it in Dallas, we kind of compared, or I did, I compared, you know, the Dallas crowd to be, you know, not comparable to the Pelicans at all, but they seem quiet. So maybe that's the thing now. Maybe that's the thing. The hoops were mic'd up. But the fans, yeah. you just couldn't hear anything. So what well, I feel like I, I think it Dallas, was loud there though, dude. I, I feel like in the Dallas games, the broadcast was on ESPN versus TNT. And I felt like it was very loud because they were hitting a bunch of threes. The crowd was getting behind them, and I I could hear it on my broadcast, the emotion in the crowd. Whereas in this game, you know, yeah, the sun started kind of rocky. They were down eight early, and and I was like, is anybody even in the arena? And yeah. You know, of course, you know, shout out to So Says Jay from the Fanning the Flames podcast. Uh, he's super rich and he can go to all these games. And he reported on Twitter. He's like, he's like, no, it's loud as hell here. So I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, again, that's just the TNT thing. You get Reggie Miller and you don't hear your home crowd. Maybe no, it's Reggie a conspiracy. wasn't I know. We're going to talk about Reggie a little bit. And the fact that I was agreeing with Reggie Miller's takes has me shook a little bit tonight. And I honestly think that the only way that I can take care of that shookness, if if you will, mm-hmm, I know is, is to drink a beer. All you right. know, so I let I me will pop say, this open. 
I will say this before you pop it open, Matthew. Okay. Let's yeah, go ahead sorry, and let's do ahead. all the, the housekeeping notes, if you will. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sun's Jam Session podcast. Uh, if this is your first time hanging out with us, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're listening to the podcast, leave a, leave a five-star review. If you're watching along live, hit the thumbs up button. So hit the subscribe button, which lets you know that we go live, which is after every Suns game. You can follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter, which is great because we do Twitter spaces at halftime. A lot of our fellow jamsters uh, raise their hand and they want to speak. And Yeah, we a give, lot of people. It was, it was awesome. great. It was we fun, We don't have to do man. anything. We don't have to talk. Let them talk. Love, know, awesome. Shout out to Jay Joyce from the He's on Fire podcast. He gave a great synopsis of the first half. He talked like for he five did. minutes. And, he and you're, I love point. it because right afterwards, you're like, dude, you hit every point. This is great. <laughs> yep, he did. So that's the fun part about you know following us on Twitter is you get an opportunity. My mom even came in and you know wanted my mom created a twitter handle and she listens to twitter spaces because she wants to be thinking half time so on that note jamsters i think matthew needs to pop open a nice corn-free bud light oh (laughs) so bad empty again man damn let's chug in with the fellas tonight i gotta pour it out oh he's got dang it dang it you know you know so so there i was Went for all Matthew. Right, to, all right, <laughs> chugging with the fellas Chug to it. another victory for the Phoenix Suns. Chug him if you got him. Like a beer everywhere, uh, and it's delicious. tastes like I'm 13 again, dude. And, and Coach Fallen Founder, he says, "Let's drink in the chat." Thank you to Coach Fallen Founder. He joined us on Twitter Spaces as well. <laughs> One of these times, we're actually going to get him right here on the podcast. Uh, But let's talk about this Game 5 victory, this crucial Game 5 victory for your Phoenix. Yes, sir. The Phoenix Suns take a crucial game five at home against the Dallas Mavericks. And, you know, that's why you play for home court advantage. A lot of people think that home court advantage really doesn't matter. And I would say it doesn't matter more in baseball. Yeah, I know. Matthew's raising <laughs> his hand. I said that. You know. And and a lot of people are with you, Matthew. You know, the way that the competitive nature of these players is these days and the talent level that exists in bas- basketball you don't necessarily know if that's true. I don't think home field advantage manages matters in baseball, but I definitely think it matters in basketball because you saw it tonight with the way that the bench performers and the role players of the Mavericks performed much akin to games one and two. They don't have the emotion of the crowd to ride the wave. You know, they flash a th- if they hit a three and they flash a three, they're getting a, p- a bunch of people being like, fuck you when they're in Phoenix versus in Dallas where everyone's like, yeah, but it brings yeah. me to my first question. Matthew, I got to ask. Thank you, Coach Monty Williams, Coach of the Year winning Monty Williams. He referenced that. After those that Game 4 loss, he says, you know, we fought hard for home court advantage for this reason, for a Game 5, a crucial Game 5 at home in the playoffs. The second Game 5 the Phoenix Suns have had at home. He showed why he was named Coach of the Year tonight, didn't he, with the adjustments that he made? Yeah, it's... Good on him, seriously, because it's it's a lot for a coach to, you know, the story with Cameron Payne and how he gave him a second chance and the way he played this year at times when he was a legit point guard for the Suns and Chris Paul's absence last year playing so well throughout the playoffs and then 
I just, you know, I was thinking we're going to still see him the rest of the series, no mm-hmm. matter what, um, to actually just pull the plug and just be like, you know what, we're, we're, we're done with you. And Cameron Payne was an uh, absolute gentleman on the sideline. Cheering yes, on his son's cheering team. his team on. Looked very, his body language looked great <laughs> on the sideline. He looked, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was enjoying himself because he knew that in order to actually get playing time back, the Suns had to find themselves up in a series, I think, right? And, you know, the way that they played tonight doesn't mean that he's going to get a chance to play, I feel like, next game because the adjustment that Monty made needs to continue throughout the series. And it wasn't really adding anything to what the Suns did tonight. They just took that away. They took the zero minutes. I mean, they took away the zero the factor of Cameron Payne just being a complete zero yeah. after the last couple games in the series. And he just took that away. And this is what happens, man. You have a Bismack Biombo come in and I, he didn't take his minutes, but you had the point book and you just mm-hmm. went at your strengths, the strengths that the Suns have off the bench, having book play point book. Those were strengths the Suns had in this game. They leaned towards those heavily. And I mean, you know, they came out with the victory, man. I just, it's a lot for Monty to do that. It just seems like a simple move, but to tell a tell a player like Cameron Payne, who's so passionate, and just be like, "You're not playing today." That's that's probably one of the hardest things. Other than I think he had to say that to Chris Paul, right, last year, where he's like, "Chris Paul, we can't have you play." So, not the same thing, but it's still hard from a passionate player to have to sit down. No, it is, and it, you know, it's one of the conversations we've had on this podcast and in all realms of Suns discussion, whether it be on Bright Side of the Sun, on in the comments, or on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if they're having this conversation over on Facebook. I think they're still trying to acquire Eric Gordon. They're like, we can still get him, right? Because they don't know how anything works. <laughs> hey, on- you know what? I was kind <laughs> of into that a little bit. Come on. You know, yeah, you but like, a little bit. yeah, but um, what I'm saying is Suns Facebook is still talking about that like it's a plausible case oh, yeah, you yeah. know they're like job Morant got hurt you think he'll come the trade machine yeah player? yeah i mean they're always <laughs> stuck on that uh but you're right you know we, we talk about cameron Payne. like monty is loyal almost to a fault and what you noticed in game five both in this series and in the last series is monty williams making ju- adjustments with guys that we felt were part of his top eight slash nine rotation in the first series against the new orleans pelicans it was tory craig who was playing like a big fat zero and yeah, I, yeah. I, I I wrote a piece for Brightside. We talked about it on the podcast. Like we can't play Tory. He's just this. This series just doesn't make sense for him. And Cameron Payne, it's been the same thing in this series. It just doesn't make sense for him. The Dallas Mavericks have a lot of length. They're not big, but they have length across the board. And and in their eight man rotation, outside of Jalen Brunson, everybody has size and length. And it is a deterrent for Cameron Payne, who is going through a slump through this playoffs which we all know. And I think it was very smart of Monty Williams to go, you know what? We're going to match their length with length. We're going to put point book out there and we're going to give Landry Shamit some more minutes. And, you know, kind of to his credit, he took advantage of that. Uh, I'm going to do his drop right here, right now, after I first give a shout out to Cousin Will, who dropped nine ninety nine in the super chat. He, super chat. he said seven down, thunder motherfucking Dan to go. <laughs> Nine wins for a championship. And Thomas Danette also gave $10 in the super chat. And he said step on, stepped on their throat at the end, which was great. That was the difference between game one and game five. Game one, yeah. we allowed them to yeah. come back a little bit. And Matthew, it's got me kind of in a mood where it's like, you know what? Let's just have a little glass of wine here, you know? I'm feeling good. Oh, I'm feeling jealous on this side now. Yeah, man. 
you know, red wine and Phoenix Suns, right? This is some Josh Sellers Legacy Red Blend. It's a delicious. Oh, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Chugging mm. with the fellas again. Oh, I'm not <laughs> going to be chugging. I'm not going to be chugging this, oh, man. Yeah. That, that, this would be, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't make it through the entire podcast. You know, but I said that he was going to get his drop. Get his drop, he will. All I can say is Sham. Wow. Landry Sham, it was a really smart adjustment by uh, Coach Monty Williams. And I think that, you know, given the opportunity, he put forth the effort that campaign didn't, right? I mean, you look at what uh, Landry Shamit did this evening. He had 19 total minutes played. He was only two of five from the field, but he also was three of four from the free throw line, eight total points, four assists, three rebounds. But his defense is what was key. There was a very key possession where Luka Doncic at the end of, I want to say the first, I have it in my notes. Let me look real quick. All my Landry notes here. Um, I can't find it because I wrote so many notes. But he had a great defensive play in which, yes, solid defense by Landry on Luka to close out the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first quarter, close game. Phoenix Suns are down by three to the Dallas Mavericks. They try to play they they you know try to get Luca in a matchup that would normally be against campaign and which Luca has been abusing him all series long he backs down Landry Shamit Landry Shamit doesn't fall for any of his shit and he ultimately misses the shot and we only are down 3 after 1 i thought it was an unbelievable defensive effort by Landry Shamit tonight and again although he only had 8 points they were i mean that's more points than campaign gets and you get defense which is huge um, yeah, the thing is with Shamit and even Cameron Payne, I didn't want to see either of them in these games because they were playing so poorly and the confidence wasn't there. Um, but there's there's one thing. Monty can't just take those two away. You know, he has to decide on one. And Shamit's the one guy, I guess, you know, if we're going to leave someone out there, Shamit. But the thing is, like, he does – I feel like Shamit always tries his hardest. And I feel like Shamit puts out a lot of energy out there. It's just, it's not always the right energy. It's very, you know, it's, it's, it's not always very much, right? Yeah. But he's very much in his head always. Like we always talk Mm -hmm. about, I always talk about Uh, tonight. It just seemed a little bit different. He, he wasn't as effective. He hit some, he missed some wide open threes. Uh, Was he like one for two or did he even hit one tonight? Let me actually see one for three. Yeah. One for three. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is like, I don't think we're going to get a stellar performance ever. I mean, we've kind of expected it all season long where we can get like those four for five games from three, you know, that really helped the Suns. That's not going to happen, obviously, but the effort he puts in on defense is something that, you know, you need coming off the bench and you need next to book. When Shamit comes in for Chris Paul in this game, I thought it was genius. I'm like this, he works really well next to book and we had point book tonight. So, one thing I kind of wanted to see is Shaman handling the ball more, but his off-ball defense was just incredible tonight. He, if you can give us that, and I think Cameron Payne did try on defense too. It's just when you have Cameron Payne and he's going to hold the ball too much, right? He's our point guard, so there's too much of the offense going into him. Shamit can just be the guy scrambling around trying to make an effort play. That's what he was doing tonight. I mean, the box score doesn't look crazy, no, but you can just tell this was a good-looking shaman out there tonight. Well, and what he did is due to the fact that he is a shooter that you have to respect, his gravity opens up other opportunities for other members of the Suns. You know, when when he first came in, 
they ran a pick and roll action and the the Mavericks had to stick with him defensively because they they respect his shooting unlike campaign and because of that yeah. it opened up a big lane for Devin Booker who took advantage of it and hit you know hit a jumper so i think that you know those are the things that Landry brings because you know that campaign is so ice cold and although he had a better game distributing in game 4 he was a zero on offense you know from an actual scoring standpoint so if you if the Suns try to run any pick and rolls, all they have to do is drop and double whoever the roller is and leave a campaign to do whatever he wants because he's not going to hit the shot. He doesn't have the confidence, nor do they have the confidence in it in him. And like you know, he has to put together like a fifteen point performance, which is he's capable of. And it, it could be an adjustment to the adjustment next time they play. Is like you know, you bring back campaign and hopefully he hits a couple of those shots and that that's an opportunity to burn them. Cause they're not respecting that on defense, but that's what he, what Landry did in this game that I thought was unbelievably uh, vital and important. You know, obviously the other adjustment that we referenced right at the top of the, the podcast was the fact that after uh, Deandre Ayton, instead of having JaVale McGee come in, it was Bismack beyond. Biz. Biz. You know, and one thing that I wrote for Bright Side of the Sun was I really broke down the perimeter defense and how porous it was in game four. The Dallas Mavericks went 20 of 44 from beyond the arc, and it was because the Suns were just lazy on closeouts. They weren't sticking with their players. They were leaking into the paint. Things we talked about on the podcast. That's what that's what I do is we talk about on the podcast, and I just write an article about it the next day. Uh, but JaVale McGee got smoked in game four on off-ball actions and ultimately bleeding away from his defender, he was treated like Rudy Gobert, right? And when Bismack was yeah. in the game, Luka did everything he could in game four to try to isolate Bismack and take threes over him. And to Bismack's credit, he didn't fall for a lot of the Luka stuff, forced him into the threes, and Luka missed those threes. So I think Monty saw there was a better opportunity for Bismack Biombo to be successful by having him kind of sub in first. So that first kind of sub lineup, if you will, Booker's still out there. Bridge is still out there. But then you have Shamit, Johnson, and Biombo, And I think that was a very valuable lineup for the Phoenix Suns. And as you mentioned in our Twitter spaces, JaVale McGee just had played enough time in this game, a total of three minutes and 22 seconds. He just had enough time in the game to get kicked in the dick. <laughs> yeah, a quick little swift elbow to the oh, dick, whoop. dude. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, even Jay left early today. So a couple injuries tonight. Um, but, you know, Bismack Biombo was on the flow, on the flow. He was on the floor. I don't know how many times, Jamsters, maybe two or three times. That's that's a lot more than a lot of these sons can do out there. He gets on the floor and like he can tie like, yeah. he tied up Luka Doncic. Uh, but even like the shot clock was, was that the one that was a timeout? Yeah, he Luka rolled over on the floor. He had two sons on him, and it was a jump. Didn't ball, have the ball. Like, he was going for but it. But does man. that's he the question him. though? Is does he need to call the timeout? I don't ever get to, that. Somebody else can call timeout, but you need to have possession of the ball. Possession, but they both they all had their hands on the ball. So whatever. All right. Yeah. I just you know, we had enough ref talk, I think, last time. But yeah. Uh so but I mean he comes in at the end of the first, and you know, Luca has to jack up a three, shot clock running down, and Bismack plays great defense on him. It's a shot clock violation from then on. Dude, Bismack was getting a second chance after second chance on the offensive end. Yeah. That time when the Suns missed three threes in a row. Oh, my God. Which I, I almost like, like broke my computer. And we, well, and we were like losing at that point, too. It's like, okay, this is the game where we're going to come out. We can't hit a three. And that's why we mm -hmm. lose tonight because we're getting the looks. We're getting what we want oh. on offense. We're getting the offensive rebounds. 
and just nothing's going down. Yeah, but Bismack's in the middle of that, down under in the paint. Like he he doesn't get the rebound, but the tips, like that's what he does. He uh, McGee hands. does a good job. McGee does a good job, but Bismack's like a hybrid where he's just in between so many different positions, kind of like a Cameron Johnson. But Cameron Johnson, of course, a different kind of player. But defensively, Biz can keep up with a lot of different positions in the paint. Like he can be a big guy. He can be like McGee, but then get over to the ball even quicker because he's more slender, a little bit smaller, quicker, uh, younger, even though he looks like the same age. But he, he, he's just uh, him and Wainwright and holiday i mean those are the three guys i wanted to come in just because they are scrappy they can tip the ball they can actually give you the effort play that keep these things these these plays alive that just destroy the the dallas mavericks from inside you know what i mean like if these plays if we keep getting second chances and even though we miss those threes but bismack's like being a pain in the ass not fouling and just playing really good defense that kills the Mavericks, man. That's why we need him and Holiday out there just to be those annoying guys that can just scrap on the floor and tip us back the ball for second opportunities. Those, well, that's those what Bismack is. Those are your energy guys, right? I mean, those are your yeah. energy guys, and that's the adjustment that Monty made, and that's why you know we've spent the first 20 minutes of this podcast just referencing the adjustments that Monty made. Those are the guys who bring in that extra effort that are going to fight and, and have the ability to actually – execute that you know JaVale McGee you're right you know he normally can bring some of that but he's such a zero on defense right now because of the five out offense that the Dallas Mavericks play that you need yeah. somebody who can defend a little bit better with length and you know Bismack I almost to his fault is good at the de- uh, playing five out defense and here's why he's so damn slow he's not going to leave his defender on the perimeter <laughs> you know normally JaVale will leak down because of his length and you know he's got a little quickness to him I mean we saw him pick Lucas pocket and then dunk in game one or two. I think it was game one. So I think that, you know, again, th- those adjustments that Monty made are absolutely paramount to the success of this team. Obviously, they win by 30 points, and that's what you're going to be talking about until game six happens. And it'll be interesting. You know, we'll talk about it at the back end of this podcast what we think Dallas will do. Uh, but I'll tell you this, you know, it, it happened kind of early, and then – you know, it, he, he kind of grew out of it, if you will. But for the first time, I don't know if in my life, I was agreeing with Reggie Miller. Watch. You know, and this is one thing that we were talking about on our Twitter spaces at halftime. You know, Reggie Miller referenced a play in which he called DeAndre Ayton soft. And I agreed with it because on the play, Chris Paul sets him up perfectly. And rather than just taking the ball right up, he takes it down. He pump fakes once. And then he's like, oh, shit, there's no one around me. And then he then he goes up and then he's he's pushed from behind from Maxi Kleba. And, you know, that's when Reggie Miller's like, that's a soft play. Like, you got to dunk that and have that become an and one. And then a little bit later in the second quarter, Chris Paul sets him up again. All he's got to do is roll to his right and dunk it. And he rolls to his left and he gets caught. And, you know, he's doing <laughs> yeah, some of these Brunson things. Was where, down there. Yeah. yeah, Brunson's down there, you know, so. Uh, I, I, I asked you the question, Matthew, and it's something we always talk about, but it's a question that I asked you on the, the Twitter space at halftime. Do you think that it's kind of a lack of confidence from DA? Because I think that he was instructed, like, be physical in this game. Come out, be physical. And the first play of the game, literally the first play of the game, he puts his shoulder down. Dwight Powell gets a call on a foul. DA feels like, oh, I can't play physical. And then all of a sudden he just reverts to, I'm going to be finesse Aiden, which he was the rest of the game. You know, again, kudos to him on his final box score. 
Okay, DeAndre Ayton, 20 points, 9 rebounds, 9 of 13 from the field. Uh, only played 22 minutes in this game because he was in a little bit of foul trouble in that first half. Had a very solid game, in my opinion. But it was more of that finesse game. And do you think that he lacks that confidence to be physical because he's afraid of the whistle? Yeah, so the second second half, he was really good. First half, I didn't like it. But the whole thing with him gaining confidence, it's it's harder for him because he's a big guy. He's not Joel where Joel, mm-hmm. you know, Giannis, these guys can actually bring the ball up. Jokic, they have the ball a lot. So when that first foul did happen for Aiden, it, it was demoralizing for him because he was being aggressive and it shouldn't have really – maybe it was a foul. I don't know. I think it's first play of the game. You kind of just let him have that one, right? Maybe I don't know, but it doesn't yeah. matter. So yeah, I think he has that, and he's like, "Damn it, dude! Like I was trying to be aggressive, then I'm not gonna have the ball for a while." Like he, he had a few good attempts, but then also like we were talking about those frustrating attempts underneath the basket where he doesn't know what to do, and I think that's just from the lack of repeti- repetition because it's easier for Book and Chris Paul to really come into games and know what to expect from themselves. They can get through through their own spots. They can do what they want on the court. DeAndre Aiden is always in the flow of the offense, right? We want him to be aggressive, but aggressive when we say that means like we what he did on the first play, and then also those two boneheaded plays where he should have just dunked the yeah. ball, getting the end one and or else the easy basket instead of getting nothing. He got nothing on that play. Uh so it's harder for him because he is a big guy. But his his attitude though in the second half was real. A lot a lot of times in the first half, he was kind of looking at the refs. He was doing that one thing where he just is kind of asking for a foul. Yeah. And it's it's not a foul, but he's kind of asking because it feels like he has to. But then in the second half, when he comes in, he hits that turnaround. I think it was on Bertans. And yeah. he lifts the Mads bench and gives him some shit. Yeah, he was like, he's finally that's talking real. about shit. Like, that let's go. is some real Aiden. Yeah, because he just he turned it up. And I know we were, we're going to talk about Book. But the third quarter, a lot of it was book. But we mm-hmm. won that third quarter because Aiden was stepping up, dude. And his putbacks, the putback attempts, he was being a bitch on the block. Like, that really sets up everything. That's why he's so valuable. When he plays halves or quarters like that, that's why we jump out to those big leads. Well, exactly. Because he's, he's, he's the force behind the Suns. He's the force behind book. And he and needs Chris to be Paul. in this series, right? Like, he needs yeah, to be in exactly. the series. They're referencing it on the broadcast, and they're 100% correct. Like, he needs to be... He, he's the X factor. He's what we have that they can't match right now. Do you think that when he plays against Dwight Powell, that he has a clear advantage? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Dwight Powell plays. Yes, time. I knew it. I you knew it. you never enough. asked, but you never asked me questions that closely back to back, dude. You usually go on for 20 but here's, minutes. But, but here's my I'll next come question. Back <laughs> but here's okay, my next okay. question. Do you think that it, maybe somebody told him at halftime that Reggie Miller called him soft? Because he came, to your point, Matthew, he came out in that third quarter and he was more aggressive. He was focused on offensive rebounding. He was getting putbacks. He wasn't dunking the putbacks. Oh, end of the world. But he Mm -hmm. was, he was more aggressive. So do you think somebody told him maybe at halftime that he, he's, somebody's like, hey, dude, Reggie Miller just called you soft, bro. You think he did that? Or somebody did? Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, I do too. I really do. I don't. Do you think though that they they see that at halftime? I think they're so focused on they know what they need to do. I mean, Aiden going into this game, he even said he needs to get back to game one basics where he is a force, like we were just talking about, and he he did in the third. I think that's just him. Like I think that's his teammates and the support he has from them in certain situations. I don't think he's that guy like a Devin Booker where he sees something's like all right, you know, here I come. You know, we're gonna talk about Booker, but man, okay, I'll save it. You want to talk about Booker now? Uh, yeah. All right, let's do the let's let, let's do the drop. Big Dick Booker.
Devin Booker tonight went for 28 points, uh, an efficient 28 points at that. It's funny because Luka Doncic ends with 28 points, and he's 10 of 23 from the field. Devin Booker, 11 of 20 from the field. Three of seven from beyond the arc, three of four from the free throw line. Seven total rebounds, two assists, a couple turnovers, a couple steals as well for Devin Booker. Plus minus of 20, plus 25 in this game, Matthew. Talk about Devin Booker. Um, Remember when the... The Miami Heat won their first championship where Dwayne Wade Dwayne Wade handed over the keys to LeBron, like, hey, this is your team. No, that would like be their the way, second their second championship. I, I, the it was first their one, first. Their first no, one it was first year. The first one was with Dwayne Wade and Shaq in 07. No, I know. I'm talking about LeBron when well, LeBron was there. The first didn't say that. The first one with LeBron. All right. Well, their first championship was, was Alonzo Morning and Tim Hardaway. I'm just no, kidding. They, <laughs> the just made that up. they retired. They retired <laughs> Michael Jordan's number in the '90s because he whooped their ass so many times in the playoffs. Oh, sorry but, to cut you off. I'm sorry. I'm hey, stick, no but... worries. You know, thanks for correcting me. I appreciate what it. I do, and I know you um, hate it. Those keys. No, I I love it. I write this stuff down. Motivates <laughs> myself. Uh, when when Dwayne Wade night, just like. Fucking, I should have said it was the Dwayne Wade and usually LeBron it's on James era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so when Dwayne Wade gave the keys over to LeBron, like, hey, this is your team, they won the mm-hmm. championship. This third quarter, where Chris Paul, something's up with him, right? Something he's injured, but we're yeah, we'll sick of him, him bringing the ball up. And instead of giving it to Jay Crowder, instead of giving it to the Wings, it's like just give Book the ball, point Book, set up the offense. And that really, of course, put the Suns on the right track, right? Yes. I mean, Book was unstoppable in that third quarter, but it was mainly because he would get in the offense so quickly. He would set things up, but he would get to the rim. He had his wide-open threes, but he got into the offense quick. We weren't waiting for Chris Paul to get down court. And that was the adjustment at halftime. Love it, was like, it. Book, you're starting over. I mean, you're starting our, You're starting to bring the ball up. That's that's it. All right. We're gonna get in the offense quick. We're gonna stop this bullshit where we're taking forever, where it's already 16 to 15 seconds by the time we yes. set up a play or even pass the ball once. Um, but just that that quarter was insane and it just shows a difference. And I know the Mavericks won the last two games, but the difference between like a Luka Doncic and Booker is Booker's maturity and knowing what to do to really win the game. I know we were talking about the defense in the first half and how they were kind of letting Luka do what he wants, cover their guys. Mm-hmm. But Luca was still taking shitty ass shots instead yeah, of, of trying course. to figure something out, trying to run screens. Like Booker was running screens after screen, trying to get his teammates involved, still scoring a lot of points in the third. But the maturity that Book has, where he can actually, he knows what to do to win games now. That is the difference between him and Luca. Luca just settles for his his magicalness or whatever. Like he's a unicorn or something. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> he just he hope he puts everything down on that for the Mavericks to win. And of course, we were doing a good job covering these guys defensively, but Booker just shows like what he can do for the Suns in a time where Chris Paul can't give us anything. Yeah, Chris Paul looks old. I mean, there's no two ways he about does. it. Eat some meat. Eat Please. some meat. Eat some meat, dude. It's the playoffs. Eat a fucking steak. It is or some something. energy. Uh, but I think that's a great observation. And if you don't write a piece about it for Brightside, I will. Because I'll sit there and I'll look at the uh, the third quarter when the Suns are taking the shot in the shot clock versus how they've done it the rest of the season. All that stuff's on NBA.com. But I think that's a really great observation. Is the Phoenix Suns, rather than allowing the Dallas Mavericks to get their defense set because the Dallas Mavericks are the slowest paced team in the league. It's a fact. And they yeah. like to play a half court offense and due to their length of their wings, they like that half court offense because it allows them to set their defense and try to jump passing lanes. 
Coach Fallen founder mentioned it in the Twitter space at halftime that he noticed how the Suns are moving and adjusting just a little bit on defense to clog up those passing lanes. So that's one thing you do defensively to the Mavericks is try to clog up their passing lanes. So when Luka does try to make those passes, he's throwing them to the Suns sometimes. I mean, and he did that in this game. He ended with four turnovers, and some of them they're like just he threw it right to Mikael Bridges because it was late in the, co- the shot clock for them because mm-hmm. they were not allowing. You know, again, the Luka rules. I bring back the Luka rules. You stick to your defender, okay? You don't bleed into the paint. You force Luka Doncic to expend a lot of energy, right? And either he shoots the shot, which he did. You know, in that first half, uh, Luka Doncic was 7 of 16 from the field, you know, and the the team had 40 total shots. So he had almost 50% of their total shots. He had 18 points, but you look around the rest of his team, none of them were over 10 points. So they expend all this. He has to expend all this energy to do that. But what you're doing is you're the what what takes his teammates away is the way that you're playing some of those passing lanes. You know, you you t- you have you force him to turn the ball over. Conversely, for the Phoenix Suns on offense, to your point, Matthew, yes, they were getting a lot more engaged early in offense during that 17 to 0 run, which was the best part of the game, where we had just finished the Twitter space, right? And we sit down, we start watching the third quarter, and the Suns just they just killed them, dominate them. Straight up dominant in that third quarter, the Phoenix Suns 33 to 14 in the box score. The Dallas Mavericks were six of 15 from the field, which is 40%, but they had 12 turnovers in the third quarter alone that led to 18 points for the Phoenix Suns. Dallas only had Luka Doncic score six and Jalen Brunson score eight. Everybody else was a zero. They had 15 total shots. They were one of eight from beyond the arc. The Phoenix Suns, conversely, were 13 of 24, which is 54%. So the Suns outshot them by 14%, but they were 3 of 9 from beyond the arc. Uh, and they had 10 total rebounds and uh, 7 steals. That's the classic defense leads to offense. And they survived a couple timeouts, too. That's the crazy thing. Because normally a timeout just kills a run, right? Jason Kidd called a couple timeouts, and the, the Suns <laughs> yeah, continued yeah. the run. And the only way that it got to 17 and 0 on the on the run is it it was almost more, but do Luka Doncic hit one of his two free throws at the line, uh, and ultimately that ended the run. But a lot mm-hmm. of that's because the Suns were imposing their will, right? When you're starting to bring the the, the ball up after you've been milking the half court offense for everything it's worth for the first four games, and all of a sudden in the third quarter, you go, hey, instead of shooting the ball with you know anywhere between four to eight seconds left on the shot clock, we're going to be doing it between 10 and 16. The defense, does it, they're, they're, you're blitzing them offensively. And to your point, Matthew, Devin Booker led that charge. He was four of eight in the third quarter, played all 12 minutes. He was three of five from beyond the arc in that, that third quarter, had 12 points, had a couple steals himself, a couple rebounds as well. It, it was Devin Booker who took advantage of what the Dallas Mavericks were giving him defensively and attacked it. Yeah. And he, um, he ended the, basically at the end of the 17 0 run Booker, the, the flagrant foul Booker sold that one. Booker usually doesn't sell those flagrants, right? Like he usually gets hit. He'll yeah. just walk it off, but he sold that one and it turned into a flagrant. It probably was not, but it was something where, you know, the, 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 the Dallas Mavericks were just imploding at the moment and their defense was just, it was in disarray because Mikhail Bridges had plenty of times underneath the basket where he just was like standing there on top of the key or in the paint and he had a wide open shot. 
Yeah. Like no one was even getting to my poor horse, my poor well, horse's we'll, uh, throat. Let, What's let, going let's on? talk about Mikhail real quick. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk. Let, let, let's talk about that. Uh, that flagrant foul that Devin Booker uh, drew off mm-hmm. of. Was it Dorian Finney-Smith Jr.? Yeah, Jr. Yeah, Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie says, "I respect what Reggie Miller said again." Because he said that's a good playoff foul. In my personal opinion, that was a playoff. Foul. That was a foul. It was. It now, granted, like first, earlier in the but... game, like I don't know if I necessarily could uh, uh, trust what Reggie says. Because Zah. earlier, in, <laughs> earlier in the game, like Jalen Brunson got brushed in the face, and he's like, "Well, that's a flagrant foul." And then later, yeah. you know, he's like, "Well, that's a playoff foul." So it's like again, when you look at what Reggie says. It's all over the place. <laughs> but twice in this game, I agreed with him. DA da soft, and that was a playoff foul, not a flagrant. But you mm-hmm. know what? As much as we sat here on the podcast uh, two nights ago or two afternoons ago and complained about the officiating, it was nice that one of those bullshit calls went our way, right? Yeah, but it, it was actually split even tonight. Like the refing, yeah. was, the refs were so good because there's so much shit all over every podcast you listen to how bad the refing was two nights ago. It was horrendous, uh, both games. So, oh, yeah. I mean, they had to step it up tonight. So, well, and the, and it yeah, wasn't that, about the that, Suns losing. It was just about Warriors the reputation. Yeah. But I, I honestly think, though, they do have to extend these series. And Stern, or Stern, Silver does tell them, like, hey, I don't care, or whoever's head officiating, we got to extend these. And I don't care how much shit you take. Yeah, but we're we, giving you we this as much fans money. suffer. We're giving you this you know? money under the table. We as fans suffer. But to the to Mikhail Bridges, to the point of Mikhail Bridges, Mikael Bridges tonight, 33 minutes played, was 6 of 13 from the field. Uh, Both he and DeAndre Ayton tied for second most field goal attempts behind Devin Booker in this game. Had 14 points, 7 total rebounds, uh, was a plus 23, had 4 steals for the Warden in this game. And again, referencing that third quarter and the effectiveness of the Phoenix Suns, although Mikael Bridges only had 4 points, he had 3 steals. He was the driving force behind the Suns 17-0 and run and kind of throughout the game we've been wondering I, I was on a podcast this morning and they were asking about Mikhail Bridges and you know I talked about for, it's funny Matthew I'm slowly remember what I said on that podcast because it was like seven this morning I don't remember mm-hmm. anything I talked about but one of the things we talked about was the fact that uh, Mikhail Bridges through the first four games has had a rough time in my personal opinion and it was nice to see him on both sides of the court tonight come through Mikael Bridges never has any notes. For some reason, I know everyone on the Suns team. I never have notes for him. What is my deal? Like, But to go back in the game, I just always remember what he does because he was on the run a lot tonight, right? Those fast breaks. I mean, the first steal he really, I think, had. Of course, he forced a turnover to start the second half that really just got everything going off of Luka Doncic. But the steal he had in the passing lane, and he goes down, and he just... He once he starts a fast break and he finishes the fast break, it just shows how special he is. And when that's happening, you just know it's like one of those things where it's like when Jay Crowder is like hitting threes and getting fouled, you know the Suns are gonna win, right? When he's high fiving mm-hmm. a fan in the front row, Suns won the game, right? Mikhail Bridges, I feel like anytime he has a fast break or he's in the passing lanes leading to a fast break, the Suns like end up just that it just lights a fire under him. 
I don't know what it is, but once that starts to happen, then it's just endless and they go on this big run. So it, you can say, I guess, every player contributed to it, but of defensively, course. Mikhail Bridges heard what was said about him yesterday and the day before and how his defense hasn't been there. Tonight, it was there, including Jay Crowder. They both did a really good job on uh, Luka Doncic tonight. Man, you, you drink some beer or have a water. Why? Why? You yeah, so what harsh, is? It? I don't know. Were you screaming in your apartment tonight? Were you just like, no? You know what it is. Screamed? Sometimes, like, I'll have like coffee, some hot coffee, and for some reason, it does that. I have like a weak throat, weak voice? It's like a Denny. My mom's but, side is a Denny side, so oh, it's like okay. one of if, those things. Now, isn't the Denny side, if I'm correct, isn't that the, like the cursed side, like the witches and such? No, that's the Lissy side. Oh, okay, we're terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. Uh, going back to Mikael Bridges, you're 100% right. You know, he he's the one who kind of kept us in that game early, right? Like, you take a look at that first quarter, and it was just a dull quarter. The way the Phoenix Suns came out, it felt like it wasn't engaged. Now, again, I mm-hmm. feel like part of that is due to the TNT broadcast. And I couldn't hear the crowd and the, like the rims are mic'd up, but you can't hear the crowd. I'm like, why is nobody screaming in this game? Fucking five. And it was Mikhail Bridges in that first quarter who was uh, two of four from the field, or I'm sorry, second quarter, uh, first quarter. He was two of four from beyond the arc. He had six points. And I felt like kind of kept the team afloat when only Devin Booker was kept keeping the team afloat. You know, you take a look at that first quarter book had his 12, uh, and two points from Aiton, two points from Bismack, one from Cameron Johnson, and it was six from McHale. And I really feel like his energy is what kind of, as it does, brought this team, galvanized this team, got them engaged in this game on both sides of the court, and next thing you knew, they were off and running because in that second quarter, although it was only a two-point lead for the Suns at halftime, they had only held the Dallas Mavericks to a total of 20 points in the second quarter. Now, obviously, the third quarter, we only hold them to 14. The fourth quarter, 20. I mean, we only gave up 80 points tonight. And that's because we have the true defensive player of the year. That is one, Mikhail Bridges. Yes, he's amazing. And it's funny you say, like, you take all these notes because we both take notes during this, right? Like, we want to look at our notes. You know, it's so fun watching Suns game. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> just it's, kidding. No, it's worth it. I love doing this. So it's well, worth it. I don't know about you. Do you know the easiest way to take notes? You just voice to them? Yeah. That's yeah, but I do that and then I it just doesn't pick up because sometimes I'll mumble and I'll just say some random shit and then well, I have to go in and edit it. I, I that's literally, a lot of effort. That, I'd be exhausted by the time we start the podcast. literally how I write my articles for Bright Side of the Sun. Is yeah, I, go I, to, I yeah. go to Google Docs. I turn on voice, speak to text or whatever. And there I am just like driving to work. I'm like, the Phoenix Suns dominated the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks in game five, period. Just I running really, people over? Yeah, just, just, just like using my blinker and such. Because always use your blinker, people. Never be the always person who doesn't it, use it. Even blinker. though they, they don't work. Then, but yeah. to the Mikhail Bridges point, the only note I have in all my notes, better offensive start by Bridges. That's all I have. Yeah, so, I was like two threes in the first. That's what I found my nose tiny. He's, a, he's amazing, and like we just we don't appreciate enough of what we have, and we'll continue to not appreciate him for the next four years. But he's yeah. a he, he's a fucking amazing. He is amazing. Uh, one guy, obviously, I want to talk about in this game after uh, a couple really really rough games to the point where I wrote a piece by speak to text uh, on my drive to work a couple days ago when I said, "Will the real Chris Paul please stand up?" And literally put the piece, I'm like, will the real Chris Paul please stand up and put one of those fingers on each hand up and be proud of it, be out of your mind and out of your control. And one more time, lousy can, how's it go? I'm Chris Paul. Yes, I'm the real Paul. Uh, anyways, you know, you look at what he did tonight. 
34 minutes played, three of eight from the field. Uh, yeah, I have, I, dude, I'm drinking a glass of water. Little Marshall, man. I know you're like, yeah. what else are you going to pull out over there to drink, man? I got what else water you got over there. Oh, we got some water. Yeah. Uh, but he had seven points tonight, 10 assists. Great job initiating the offense. Uh, four turnovers, and they were bad looking turnovers. And I'm not going to lie, like, Chris Paul is starting to look a little bit old. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're only in the second round of the playoffs, man. If we want to win a title, like we saw it last year, he, he he wore down. Yes, eat some meat. God, that should be a piece for Brightside. Eat some meat, Chris Paul. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. What are you seeing from him, man? Like, wh- what's going on with the point guard? Uh, everything you said. I really think he needs to eat some meat to get some energy. It's not there. And I'm trying to think: is he injured? What would he be injured with? That's what. That's what I put in my notes. Is he injured, Matthew? So yeah, is he injured? I don't know. Mentally? His 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 passes in the beginning. I mean, his first two attempts actually you know, find someone open. One of them hit, I think it was Jay Crowder in the foot and the other one hit Mikael Bridges in the butt. Like literally Mikael <laughs> yeah, Bridges yeah. was turned around in the third one, which was actually an assist to Aiden or maybe it was Biombo, but it was, no, it was Biombo. And it was just, it barely found him. Like it was actually going to be a turnover, but whoever was guarding Biombo was not paying attention. So he's, he's off. He had some good passes towards the end to end the game. He had a big three. Um, so maybe he's just taking a step back. And like I said, handing the keys over to book be like, book, I just need, because why would we go in a direction And Chris Paul is amazing, right? 14 for 14, but you know, that was done in the fourth quarter where, you know, everything was kind of slowed down. That's Chris Paul's game. But when the Suns need to get into a better pace and stuff, why not hand it over to Booker? Like, why not just have him be the main vocal point? It makes, offense? Sense. Whereas, it makes sense. It doesn't, but it, or, am I crazy? thinking like has this even happened in the playoffs where book has taken over in this way i know I, well of course but, not scoring wise i just mean the ball handling when chris paul's on the floor he had the here, ball the whole here's time. why though here's why it's the same re- it's the same thing with like campaign right in different series you're going to have different members of your team who are going to perform better based on the matchups provided to them in the new orleans series because of jose alvarado and the tenacious defense that he provided they yeah. had to take the ball out of Chris Paul's hand. That's the blueprint. Okay. That's the chapter that the Milwaukee Bucks wrote in the finals last year with Drew Holiday. They're like, pester this guy, wear him down, not in game one, but by game six, he's tired as fuck. So, what the Suns need to do and what Monty did tonight is make that adjustment. Goes, he, he still went for seven and he still had 10 assists. So, he still helped out his team in a manner that allowed them to win by 30 points. So, you can't be overly critical of the, of the point guard. But at the same time, you have to make those adjustments and you have to put the people on in this team and on this organization that will allow you to take some of that stress off Paul. So, you know, for the long run, he can be effective, but you're right. Point book is something we're going to continue to see. And if we are, if we win game six or seven and we go on and we play the Warriors, cause it's going to be the Warriors. Let's face it. There's no way Memphis is coming back. Man, down that game they blew. Yeah. They blew oh, that. They my blew. God. Dylan Brooks, dude. Dylan Brooks is trash. He was so bad in the, that was at the last two minutes of the game. That was an opportunity to win that game on the road, make that 2-2, and yeah, Dylan Brooks so was good horrible. Job. Yeah, they they're are. So they're a great without team without Job Morant, which is insane. Yeah. But Dylan Brooks went into hero ball mode. He went into Booker mode, but like Booker in his third season mode, where it's just like he just couldn't execute just yet, you know? Yeah. He took the shots, but he just couldn't get there, you know? But when you play against the the Warriors, there's going to be different matchups that might benefit having Chris Paul out there. But what the work, the work you're putting in, both in the, the first round and now here in the conference semifinals, having to take the ball out of Book's hand a little bit more, or I'm sorry, CP3's hand a little bit more, ultimately could benefit this team and send them to the NBA Finals. And why wouldn't it? Because 
Chris Paul finding him on the block or finding him just open for three, it's he hits it's it. magnificent. But it's like the thing Steve Nash is like, used to be. And, and Book's not going to be creating like Chris Paul, but Book knows what to do with the ball. Yeah. Like he, he did I'm not so make one mistake. That, dude. In that third quarter, he did not. And then, of course, next game he does it and starts fucking things up. But he did not make one mistake in the third. Even driving the baseline, I think he found Mikhail on the other side. Like he's just, even Chris Paul had those moments where he's jumping up in the air and he has the ball, nowhere to go, and he can finally find somebody. But those plays, I'm just like, what? Like, remember when he went into the paint and Aiden was tra- trailing behind behind him and he just yeah. jumped up and he threw the ball behind him and Aiden could barely even reach it. Yeah. And I'm like, he's what? Like, like like what is what is that? Can you just please explain to me what is that? And just quick d- shout out to Michael Walchok behind me. Yes, the Michael art. Walchok. Look at that art behind yeah. Matthew. That is some fantastic art. I have his uh, Twitter on there, but you can't really see it. But my at Michael, at Michael Walchuk, Walchuk. You can find his. Yeah, shout out. Uh, and real quick, one thing on Booker before we get to the subreddit stakeout because we're forty. Oh my god, damn! We, we still got to do that. Uh, one thing that I love that Devin Booker did in this game. Here's what I'm gonna do, Matthews. I'm just gonna get rid of you. And I'm gonna let you start to prepare for it. Cause... All right, I'm gonna bring God you back. I'm off. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> uh, one thing that I love that Dem Booker did in this game is after an offensive foul call, Luca wanted to hold the ball and talk to the officials. I love how Booker just took the ball for, from him and gave it to the officials real quick to try to out to inbound the ball. Something Mavericks have been kind of doing the entire series. Yeah. Like I love how he's trying to negate Luca from using the ball as a microphone to bitch to the refs. Yeah, the, the Mavericks after every foul, they're grabbing the ball and they're trying to get inbounds. And finally, Luke Booker's like, "Give me that shit! Like, we're doing." This yeah, he thing took to over. You. And when he fell on the floor too for the flagrant, um, the yeah. selling the flagrant foul. Oh, he was—he knew he was selling it. Did you hear what he said? He no. said, "Luca special." So I guess someone was recording him in the front <laughs> row. He yelled out, "Luca special." So Jamsters, you can confirm that I'm sure. Yeah, he, yeah, I want to see, I want to see that. But he literally yeah. just sat on the ground an extra uh, minute or two. So Matthew obviously was on. Yes, there was the subreddit for the Mavs tonight. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. Whoa, who's this guy? Whoa, whoa, What's look up, at them sunglasses. Dude? So, Matthew yeah. was on the subreddit stakeout, yeah, hanging out voice, behind man. enemy lines, downvoting everything he could. No, yeah. he didn't. He doesn't, he didn't create a Reddit account. I don't have a profile. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Matthew, was... what did you see on the subreddit stakeout? Well, the 11-0 run, why does Luca always... So this is actually, this is a little bit later on in the game, but the 11-0 run the Suns had, you can tell the fans were actually getting upset at Luca. They said, why does Luca? why does Luca always immediately run to the ball? Like, you know, when you're younger and like, pass it back, pass it back, instead of spacing the floor and like finding the ball to come back to him. So that was something they were throwing out there in the fourth. <laughs> but to start the game, um, Luca's hot start... Someone quoted, uh, oh, looks like one of those Luca games. And he was shaking his head. He had that look in his eye. I was, oh, I was after, nervous. Were you, you nervous? I don't know if I was nervous. Started three for three? Yeah, I, but that's what, again, that's what I want. Like, I want him to shoot. I don't care if Luca yeah. goes for 45. I really don't. As long as the players around him suck, like, he can he can get his. He can set the, oh, he's got more points than Michael Jordan does, you know, in the playoffs yeah. and all that stuff. And I know exactly which play you're talking about because after he hit it, he looked at the crowd. He did kind of one of the push down things. And, yeah. And, like but I small. knew in that I knew in that moment. I'm like, good. He's feeling confident, so he's going to continue to shoot. That's why mm-hmm. it's okay if Luca comes out and he shoots three or four four to start the game. He, he's going to continue to shoot, and his percentages say it's going to drop. So 
that's my observation. Yeah, no, I you know I got scared of the look. I mean, I don't I don't really worry about his his shot attempts. They all suck. So as John pours another glass of wine, what else? Oh, so here's some Jay Crowder. After Jay Crowder, after oh, Jay can, Crowder, can, can I do his drop some... real quick? Yeah. I mean, if they're going to talk about Jay Crowder, then we got to give him his drop, especially after uh, looked like he potentially hurt himself. It's Jay Crowder. And this on. is a Have shout out. This is a shout out to Jay because his defense on Luca, Jay Crowder was absolutely he was exhausted in this yeah. game, right? Did you see? He I mean, he got hurt off. at the end of the game. He looked like he didn't even want to get in anybody's face. He's like, I'm giving all my effort on defense, and he looked exhausted. But they were just saying, like, Phoenix letting Luca go one on one, and that's what we're talking about. The, the Luca rules. The Luca there rules. There it is. Buddy. Yeah. And then this is the one that I posted on Twitter actually. Sat at 10th. This is the Aiden thing. Sat at 10th yeah. by Aiden. I don't care for Reggie Miller, but uh, Reggie, <laughs> yeah, Reggie Miller is a commentator, but he's right. That was soft. And that's, that's true. It was, it was terrible. But yep. the best part of the game after the third quarter, start of the fourth, uh, the Mavericks fans pulled the starters. Ah, well, at least we didn't get swept. And then here goes uh, Luca into the front row. I, I don't know if that Luca pushed into the front row. That wasn't. That wasn't a flagrant or anything, right? No, 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 no. Like Chris I, Paul? What's amazing is how like Chris Paul and Landry Shamit on that play pulled up and Luca just kept going, you know, and he looks yeah, huge next to those did. other little human beings. But like he was trying to, again, the Luca special, right? He was yeah. trying to sell some sort of flagrant, but it, there was none. Chris Paul barely touched him. Landry Shamit's the one who the foul was called on. But yeah, I uh, his freaking down, zip Luca. butt cheek. Yeah, I'm you, sure you, you, you dope boy, fat, fat piece zits. of shit. There you go, Mass fans. <laughs> you can go ahead and put that back on there. There is this guy again. He's calling him a dope boy, fat piece of shit. Can you believe uh, this guy? Do you think he has like fries sticking out of his pants when he's like when he's like disheveled he in the chairs? A, a chicken nugget or two. I feel like he has like yeah, French fries or chicken nuggets and down his pants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is uh, after that happened, CP bitch, and then Omri um, watching Dune. How about you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so that That's was fantastic. That was a subreddit stakeout. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. couple other things i want to hit on before we get out of here that was some great behind the enemy lines work by you matthew i know it's thank you man. it's tough it's risky think, it's My risky family. well and yeah you know and if they <laughs> yeah. find out about the denny side like who knows what's gonna happen <laughs> don't go after the denny's <laughs> don't go after the denny's um a couple things i wanted to hit on and speaking of hitting on there, there's one guy who is definitely has become one of the guys with the most punchable faces in the NBA. He's starting to rise that list. God damn it. I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. You know, Jalen Brunson, uh, when he had the offensive foul on Chris Paul and he went running down to Jason Kidd and he had him review the play and the look on his face, like I I said it a little bit in the last podcast because he was flopping all over the court. Did it again tonight. I understand that he's a small guy. He's always going to, Seek out contact and use that to his advantage. I understand that. But it's the look on his face, like the literally like the crybaby look. Like, have you seen the meme of Kyle Rittenhouse on trial where he's literally like trying to explain something? He just cries. I think I tweeted it out. I said Jalen Brunson and then I put that gif, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's who he totally reminds me of. It's just like an unbelievable crybaby. Thoughts on that? He does look like um, Kyler Murray, though, right? I, it's funny. Are they the same so, ethnicity or let, no? let me read. Let me read a text, and uh, this is from okay. one of my buddies. Uh, 
he goes, let's see here. He goes, uh, hold up. Brunson is Kyler Murray's evil twin. Changed my mind. Shout out yeah, to Matt. He, Shout he out is. to Matt Pazic on that one. I don't know which I don't know which one cries more though, man. Yeah, I know. They're both bad body language kind of stuff. Mm. So uh and yeah, Jam in the chat. He's like, I take him over pain. Of course I would. There's no doubt about that. Oh, I mean, he's going to get paid he, for sure. He's, he's going to get paid this offseason. He will not be a Dallas Maverick next season. He but you can't paid. lose a series to where he's the second best player on their team. You know what I mean? Like yes. when you when you think of it that way, it's like, oh, I feel kind that's of better a, about this series. Yes, that's a, yeah. He's the second best player on the team. And if we lose that series, like we are who we didn't think we were, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of just quick statistics I want to throw out there: uh, the three point attempts by the Dallas Mavericks. Obviously, they went twenty of forty four in Game Four. Uh, they are the number one three-point shooting team in the playoffs thus far. Tonight, they were 25% from beyond the arc and were 8 of 32. So they attempted 12 less three-pointers. Why do you think that is, Matthew? I don't know. Why is that, John? In my opinion, they the Suns did what I called them out for doing is they, they ran them off the three-point line a lot in this game. A lot of those three-points. So they took 32 threes, right? If you take a look at the fourth quarter only, they took eight threes in the fourth quarter. Okay, three of those were by Frank Nidalekina. So if you look through the first three quarters, this team only had 24 three-point attempts. And that goes back to the whole point of staying home on your defender, not leaking into the paint, and not leaving these guys wide open. Right, Reggie Bullock in game four was eight for 12 from beyond the arc. Without looking at the box score, Matthew, what do you think he was tonight? Oh, he was zero for four or something. I don't he think was zero for day. five. Zero oh, for five nice. from the. I field. know he didn't make any. Zero for three from beyond the arc. He ended with zero points in this game. Mm-hmm. That is what the Suns need to do. They need to stay at home. They got too greedy. They were too lackadaisical on defense in the in Dallas when they were in the state of Texas, and they kept trying to squeeze the middle because that's what the the, the Mavericks said in their post game. Like what I do is after the game. I record NBA TV because they have the post-game press conferences. After I'm done posting this podcast, I go and I watch those. I want to hear what Jason Kidd has to say with Luca, with Monty, Chris Paul. And, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking of them, you know, I I just pulled this picture offline. So for those of you listening, I'm sorry. But this is a great hat that Chris Paul's wearing in the post-game conference just now. It's an upside-down Suns logo. I fucking love it. I Going in for the shot. That's what it's for, right? Yes, I love that. I love that. I don't know if I like it, but it's just cool because he's wearing it. You know what I mean? I don't like it. I love it. I love book looks like he's in the eighth grade. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Union Bayshirt. That's what I I wore (laughs) in my eighth grade photo. (laughs) He can just wear whatever he wants. You know, but but to that point, you know, uh, I I had a point. What was my point? Oh, yeah, the three-point shooting. Um... I forgot my point. Yeah, you drank a lot tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm still high and done. Uh, and the last thing, obviously, was the assists in this game. Again, that goes mm-hmm. back. This team, the Dallas Mavericks in this game, had a total of nine assists, Matthew. The Phoenix Suns, conversely, 23 assists on 43 made shots. Nine assists for the Dallas Mavericks. You take a look at the previous games uh, against the Phoenix Suns in this series, and... um. I'm trying to pull it up, but of course, basketball reference is being dog shit. Mm-hmm. But my whole point is those Luca rules, they work, man. They work. You defend the three-point line. You keep mm-hmm. Luca trying to spend all of his energy on the inside. The teammates don't get hot, and that's what can help you win the game. Yeah, they, they do work. I just, for Luca, if he's compared to like a top five MVP, and Booker was there too, but 
I know we're playing a defense, but there just has to be some way where he can get his guys more involved. I know we're playing a defense, but come on. Just because we're sticking on our guys like at the three-point line is the reason they, why Luka But it's Doncic that simple. I know in my it is, opinion. because that's the only way they can win. Because I remember after game one, game two, we're like, how are they going to win? Just all threes? And that's what they did, right? They that's just had they to make did. all their threes. So I guess it makes sense, but it's just weird for me to where I'm watching Luka one-on-one, and I just know like he is too slow to really kind of set up screens, get around screens, find somebody. Like that's what he should be doing. And I know, I know he can't. I I don't know. I just think he can be better in those situations and he's killing his own team. But go ahead and have it. Like go ahead and Kobe it, dude. Game seven. So talk about so talk about game six. Yeah, I'll never forget that. So talk about game six. What adjustments are the Mavs gonna make? And what does Monty Williams have to do to make sure that this team's successful and wins and closes out this series on the road? Uh the way they started the second half for the Suns, um, I think that you can you can definitely do that. But the thing is, with the Mavericks, make all your threes. <laughs> but again, threes to that point, if the yeah. Phoenix Suns can run them off the line, force them away from that three-point line, or defend those threes, again, not by closeouts, but by being on them, force them in those tough shots. Because on the road for the Suns, mm-hmm. or at home, role players are going to play better. Straight up, period, exclamation point. The total number of points scored by the uh, the Dallas Mavericks bench tonight, you know, now obviously it's a little inflated because they emptied the bench with four minutes left. They had 23 points from their bench tonight. You look at the Phoenix Suns, conversely, you know, and then they end with 38, you know. So the bench is going to perform better. The role players are going to perform better at home. That's what happened in games three and four. If the Suns want to win this series, if they just want to get it over with, they need to negate those role players. They need to come out with energy. That's the number one thing. What killed us in the lat in, in games three and four, and we talked about it right here in the pot, it was the first quarter. If you looked at the rest of the game, if you looked at game, quarters number two through four in game three and game four, the Phoenix Suns didn't get their ass kicked, but they they were down 10 at the, at, in game three and like 12 in game four, and they ultimately couldn't overcome that gap because – then the emotion starts to play. Then the crowd gets into it. Then the players gain the confidence. And the Reggie refs. Bullock, Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith, the referees, everybody gets into kind of the emotion of the game, and the, the Suns let it slip away. That's not championship-level basketball. Go into there. Go into Dallas. Go to America Airlines Center and shut Dallas up on Sunday or Friday. What day is it? Wednesday? Friday? No, it's going to be Thursday. Thursday? Fuck yeah. Right? Is it Tuesday? I feel bad for anyone listening. I'm just like toast. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) So, it'll be 6.30, 6.30 ESPN. Let's go. Let's go. Let's end this fucking series. Get it over with, damn it. Please. Get it over with. I hope so. And get this podcast over with. Am I right, Matthew? Oh, we're way past our limit now. All right. Well, we're past our limit. On that, it's, it's past Matthew's bad time. So on that note, <laughs> Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us here on the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Massive Game 5 win for your Phoenix Suns. We're going to be live on Thursday after that Suns game. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. That's where you can join us at halftime of Game 6 to talk about what we see. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a thumbs up while you're here. If you're listening to this podcast, five star res- reviews on Apple Podcasts are appreciated. Uh, yeah, crazy, Lu- star, cra- cra- crazy Luigi. Yes, we didn't even get to this. Game.
jam star of the game. Matthew, who's your jam star of the game? DeAndre Aiden. We can go Devin Booker if you want, but the way Aiden plays, I don't know how many times I got to say it. When he plays that way, we're going to win a lot of games. It's so. Monty Williams for me. Oh, very the, good, man. The adjustments second- that Monty Williams made was fantastic in this game. We needed Who's it. Who's your jam star? I didn't get to ask you. you just... Monty Williams. There you go. The way that he made adjustments <laughs> in this game was fantastic. Tell me to go home. home. Wait, oh, shit. Are we done? All right, go home. Love your family. Cheers, fuckers. <laughs>